Hello, listeners. This is producer John. Open Pike Night is going to be at Trek Long Island 2024. From May 31st to June 2nd, Cameron and myself, producer John, will be in the Big Apple living long and prospering. We'll be hosting a panel. We'll be giving out stickers. We will have our microphones. Be sure to follow Open Pike on social media and subscribe to openpike.substack.com because we also will be giving away some Trek Long Island weekend passes. Trek Long Island is May 31st to June 2nd at the Hyatt Regency in Hopog, New York. thing on hello hello welcome to open pike night i'm your host john t bolds here tonight with some amazing guests on stage and in the studio to discuss our first ever open pike night season retrospectacular join us tonight as we discuss season one of strange new worlds in all its glory from the first Kylie alarm bell to Pike staring right through us as the transporter fades and every perfectly placed follicle in between. Joining me today are my co-hosts, the man who loves Trek so much he got Cam and I to do not one but two Star Trek themed podcasts, host of Sudden But Inevitable, Jesse. And that's just until I figure out how to use this time crystal properly. And the man who loves a good look back episode so much he's been doing them for five years. Host of Green Shirt, a newbie's track through TNG, Cam. Help, I'm trapped inside a time crystal. It smells funny. And today we have a special guest. A woman who had so much faith of the heart in Open Pike Night that she jumped at the chance to join the ranks of Open Pike Callers Turn Guests, co-founder and co-host of First Flight Podcast, Abby Summer. Hi guys, thanks for having me. I can't wait to laugh along with you in this season recap. We're super glad to have you here. Uh, Why don't you start out by telling us a little bit about your history with Star Trek? Well, I grew up in the Midwest in a house where my dad just kind of liked anything sci-fi. And we always kind of had it on in the background. And I liked Star Trek and Star Wars, but started to automatically kind of gravitate over to the Trek side. The first episode that I can remember that I saw was the Royale TNG, and that was something, <laughs> but it was intriguing enough that I, I came back. And by the time I was in middle school, I had a best friend who was as obsessed as I was. We would call each other after every new episode. We had taken notes. We'd compare. We had all the toys. We watched with reference books. Like We, we were into it, and uh, I just kind of never lost it. I always found... Something in every episode, whether it was a new one or a rerun, I watched everything as much as I could. I would set my VCR to tape six hours because they got preempted by baseball games all the time. They'd be fast forwarding through the Brewers and then finally get to DS9 or Voyager when it came on at like one in the morning. But uh, what really made my heart sing was Enterprise because just as the NX01 was launching their show, I was graduating college and moving away from my family and starting my own adventure in a brand new city where I knew nobody. And I, it was just my show. It was my touch point. It, I had a lot of time, so I was free to obsess to my heart's content. And I've just never lost that, that love for enterprise. So 
now with new Trek, I've kind of gotten more involved in the social media parts of it. And I've been talking to people about it and my fabulous co-host Melanie reached out to me and now I'm podcasting about it. So it's been nice to, to jump into this part of my life and explore it a little more and talk about it a little more with more people. What's the weirdest sci-fi show your dad made you watch? <laughs> well, we had a whole summer where we watched all the original Godzilla movies from Japan oh, in order, um... like all 26 or 27 of them. And uh, after about five, it was just a lot <laughs> of blend. recycled plots and <laughs> yeah. effects. A lot of rubber. And, yeah, exactly. Out of Toho. <laughs> but uh, so that that was an intense summer. But you know what? It wasn't necessarily that weird until you got to the second half of the franchise. And then it was just uh, roll your eyes and go, yep, it's so bad. It's good. My Godzilla summer. I'm already working on the coming of age script. Oh, nice. <laughs> I'll send you royalties. <laughs> and I've already started the podcast about it. All right. I can't wait to guest star and tell you about the summer of 98 when I worked the movie theaters and saw the end of Godzilla oh. with Matthew Broderick. <laughs> So many times. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, tonight we are together here in the studio and we've got a bunch of guests on stage to talk about season one of Strange New Worlds. We thought it would be fun here at the end of season one of Strange New Worlds to look back on uh, some of the fun that we had and some of the nits that were picked and speak with some of our favorite friends and, you know, listen to some of our callers on the stages we are used to doing and we want to sort of just encompass everything about season one it is a retro spectacular which means we're putting all of our thoughts in one place and really just doing the hard work of figuring out you know how do we really feel about season one of strange new worlds spoiler alert i feel great but would would you call strange new worlds a retro spectacular I think that it is a title that applies to more than just this show, to your point, Cameron. That's very apropos, nope. as they say. I think the thing that we we can't just... We, we have to mention it at the top, right, is this has got to be the most universally liked first season of a Star Trek that I have ever encountered like I, I've looked at, you know, the reaction to the original series. I know people were furious when TNG was announced and then every series after that subsequently in its turn. Um, but this, I mean, even from the beginning of this strange new worlds felt a little bit different, right? There was a little bit more of a, Hey, we asked for this and they're going to give it to us now. Mm -hmm, so there was mm -hmm. a little bit more positivity. I feel like even just from the beginning of this series, is that, was that something that was palpable, or is that just me being a huge Star Trek fan? I think it was palpable. I think it was definitely felt different. I mean, even, you know, Lower Decks is like an animated Star Trek. Like, like well, we've had an animated Star Trek. We had it before most <laughs> of us were born. I think it was more the irreverence of that, and then Discovery had its has its <clears throat> issues with viewers. Prodigy, you know, and the first kid Star Trek. Like, all of those have still been greeted with the, ugh! That's not the Star Trek I remember. I didn't hear a lot of that with Strange New Worlds. There is a large like population outside of Trekkies, I think, that are going, well, so this is what Star Trek is now. I think I could get into this, you know? And we did mention that at the start 
of season one of Open Pike Night. Well, I know, Abby, I'm pretty sure you called in on one of our first two before the show started, before Strange New World started shows. Uh, I don't remember exactly what you were saying in those ones. What was it you were looking forward to in Strange New Worlds? And do you feel you got it? I was most looking forward to building on some of the characters that we knew of, but didn't really know about. And I was talking about, you know, the ones that like Mbenga and Chapel that you can really flesh out there, because even with our big three, we've we've gotten more of that simply because especially with Pike and Spock, they were on Discovery for a while. So we had some of that already. I wanted more of this fleshed out. And I was incredibly excited about Hemmer because he's an ANR and you know that's right in my oh, wheelhouse. Yeah. So <laughs> I was I was really looking forward to those characters. And I have to say I wasn't disappointed. I really wasn't disappointed in any of the main or supporting characters this time around. I really I felt like there were definitely some I wanted more of and I mean we all know that Mortegas is a hashtag for a reason, <laughs> but uh, I, I feel like ev I like everybody. There isn't somebody that I just already go, well, I'm not sure about. No, I like them all. I like all of them and I like the growth and I like that we've spent time seeing all of them together for the most part. And that's just been really nice. Earlier today, I was discussing somebody's most watched episode with them. And I mentioned that so much of Star Trek only works because of the actors, mm -hmm. because a lot of it is, I mean, TNG, of course, you know, and TOS, I think specifically, there is a lot where it's like, okay, <laughs> they're doing this, but the actors pull it off. And you know what? I'm going to even give the example from Strange New Worlds of, okay, we're doing a body swap just straight up in 2022. This is Freaky Friday with sci-fi characters. <laughs> but you know what? The actors pull yeah. it off. So it's it's like, mm -hmm. I don't know that there is a Star Trek character that I don't like. Well, even the supporting cast, think of like Captain Angel. Think about T'Pring. Mm -hmm. Think about Chief Kyle. Yeah. Chief Everybody Kyle. loves Chief Kyle. Kyle. And he's had what? Four minutes yeah. of combined screen time the entire season. And two minutes of tragedy. And he's so mean. We're all Chief Kyle. They gave him so much great character development with one line from somebody else. Like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I need to see the Chief Kyle is mean episode. So do I. I want a short track about it. Wouldn't that be perfect? Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. They need to bring short tracks back. Yes, they do. Speaking of bringing things back, though, why don't we bring back the open pike night format? <laughs> And hear from our first guest on stage tonight, producer. Our John. first of four brand new guests to the Open Pike Night stage, even here in the off season. Let's listen to what they've got to say. This is Chris, one half of the Sci Fi Wise Guys. I got two things. The first thing I want to talk about is I really enjoyed Captain Pike, the character, and the way that Anson Mount played him, where we have a captain who essentially knows how he's going to die. So all of the choices that he makes all, you know, lead towards that inevitable outcome and we, we see a little bit of it in the the final episode where he tries to change that but for the most part watching a character come to grips like denial acceptance going through that entire process i thought it was really neat i thought it was really cool something that i don't think i'd ever seen before in star trek um the second thing i want to talk about is just kind of the the blown out cliches that show producers continuously use when they're like uh you know i got a great idea for an episode let's lose control of the ship it doesn't matter why for whatever reason you just oh yeah 
we had control of the ship, now it's been taken over. Or we had control of the ship, now we're in a dream. Uh, I got a real big problem with it. You know, it's the same story. I feel like I've been here. I've seen these. I just didn't need them again. Thanks. That was Chris, part of the Sci-Fi Wise Guys podcast at Sci-Fi Wise Guys on Twitter. Jesse, Captain Pike. One cannot speak at any length on the wondrous performance of Anson Mount's Captain Christopher Pike without mentioning the hair, of course. So I'll just do that right here. The hair. Beyond that, I will say, I do really appreciate that it sort of seems like the first time we met this Captain Pike on Discovery, it was was like, wow, this guy is super casual. I'm in love with him. I would follow him wherever he tells me to go. I don't know what it is, but something about him is very likable, right? The charisma is high on this guy. And then in this series, we see that he's maintaining that demeanor despite now knowing you've got an expiration date, right? Like, he is still ultra casual, like 90% of the series. He's cooking dinner. He's having barbecues. He's making dad jokes. Like, he's watching old movies. He's just hanging out, but in space. To Chris's point, this is a good portrayal of acceptance, right? It's an easy acceptance. It's a lasting acceptance. It's a meaningful acceptance because he's going, you know what? I'm going to live my life anyway. I'm going to cook meals for the crew. I'm going to keep these people around me as much as I can in my off time. Like I am deeply impressed with this crew's ability to take the trek that we know and make it feel new. Now to his other point, I feel like a lot of stories have been told I am here to see any story told in, through a Star Trek lens personally, but I don't know that that is a, an invalid complaint. Jesse, well, real quick, let me ask you, how many episodes of Star Trek have there been? Uh, 840, if you don't count the short treks, I believe. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a lot of stories to try to tell an original story from. Like, <laughs> yeah. there is... <laughs> 840 episodes of people in a vehicle like that's you're going that's going to get taken over multiple times i'm sorry it's going to happen carjackings are a real problem (laughs) (laughs) to chris's point like i i was expecting a few more strange new worlds just because of the title i did think we were going to visit uh some more like super alien planets we have the technology now that not every planet is just going to have like a green atmosphere and some rocks like TNG, right? Like we could actually really do some cool alien planets and they didn't do a lot of that this season. Uh, interestingly enough, I, uh, but to the other point, like we've kind of talked about how strange new worlds was kind of a reset. It was going back to what uh, Trek fans have known and loved. And I do think they intentionally kind of took some of those tropes and put their spin on it for better or worse. Well, and I think that one of the things that's the most interesting about Strange New Worlds is that when you think about season one, it was filmed in the pandemic. They had no feedback. They had nothing. And they were going Mm -hmm. for, and they've even said this, getting all those people who said all the rest of New Trek didn't feel like Star Trek. So they almost had to go back and take some of those ideas and retread them just so that that could happen. And I mean, when if you've read, there was a really interesting, I think it's an Esquire interview with Anson Mount just recently that he talks about the difference between Pike in season one and Pike in season two, how the writers began to write more towards him as a person. So you see even more of that, like outdoorsy, cooking, nurturing dad side of Pike, because that is kind of him. And It also says that, you know, they they took bigger swings in season two. And he said he played Pike differently because 
he was always feeling like he could cheat fate. He was looking for a shortcut or a way out in season one. And in season two, he's realized there's no honorable way to do that. And so now that's not even an option. It's not a decision. It's not a choice. It just is. And he can work on living his life. So the fact that he has thought so much about that and that the writers have thought so much about that makes me know that everything I loved in his performance in season one, the nuances, the depth, the the minutia of his face acting is incredible. Oh like God. just yeah. the last shot of season one where he dead on looks into the camera. It gave me chills every single time I watched it. This man is perfect for the role. Abby, Memento Mori. I mean, I just that episode needs to be shown in acting classes mm -hmm. uh, as a master class mm -hmm. of how yeah. to act. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Anson Mount, and I'm pretty sure I've said this before, but like on the page, Captain Pike is kind of a boring character. He's kind of he's a Boy Scout. He's Space Dad. He's just really good at whatever he does. He's always right. Like, how do you make that interesting? Anson Mount figured out a way. I don't know what I don't know what it was, but yes, he can do the drama. He can do the comedy. He can bring this character to life in a way that we yeah. all love. His one flaw is he knows how he's going to die and when, or like he knows there is a time limit. Yeah, like that. That's not a great character flaw. That's not compelling <laughs> until you put it on Anson Mount. I'm like, all right, this is very yes. compelling. Let's hear from our next guest on the Open Pike Night stage, returning once again. Hello, everyone at Open Pike. So glad to be able to call in again. It has been absolutely a blast to enjoy Strange New Worlds with you all. There is so much I love about this show, but probably the thing I'm happiest about is the optimism that the show exudes. Science fiction is a rare genre that can either lead us into the dread of the oblivion or to the glory of the heavens. I love its diverse nature, but I believe now more than ever we need stories that encourage beauty, hope, curiosity, and joy. Certainly, Strange New Worlds gave us a glimpse into the darkness with Lift Us Up where suffering cannot reach. But through Pike's horror, we are shown how life, all life, is truly valuable and precious, that life is sacred. So even the darkness where we dare not look can show us something profound. Therefore, Strange New Worlds has this unique opportunity to give us a more optimistic look into our future, the same outlook that the original Star Trek held and believed in. Not so that we may give ourselves superficial encouragement, as we, like Pike, do not know what our future truly holds, because perhaps there are still yet more pain and hardships that await us in our lives in our country. But these kinds of stories can remind us that, as pa Spock Prime would say, even a single flower can reshape the landscape. So, then, each Strange New Worlds episode can become a single flower filling the gardens of our souls, which in turn will overflow into our homes and communities, changing the landscape around us, even if the soil itself is sown with our tears. I'll end with one of my favorite quotes that is by Robert Browning. A man's reach should exceed his grasp. Or what's a heaven for? That was Danielle returning to the Open Pike Night stage at Syadina Heresy on Twitter. And I I do love that quote she finished with. And I feel like it very accurately describes what they did with season one. I was like, we are going to reach. We are going to, as we've talked about, take all the good parts from all of the 840 existing episodes, 830 existing episodes of Star Trek. And we are going to... Re, you know, reach as far as we can, and they were able to grasp shocking success, I think, to a lot of people, how popular this has become. I know personally I've said that this is this has been an uneven season, but I do think in time I will realize and appreciate better 
how how good a first season it really is. What even is the resistance to be like, yes, I love this unabashedly. Like what what is the cultural resistance that we seem to have right now to just going, I think this thing is great. And like in very small letters, all of the complaints that I have about it do not matter. Like even to me, right? Like mm-hmm. because it's not perfect, but I love it. And it's like functionally perfect like i i have i have there are no problems that i have with it that alter my enjoyment of what i am seeing and this isn't the first time that i've gotten to watch a new star trek you know all the way through as it happens but it feels like that somehow like this is the probably fourth or fifth show that i've watched as it happens and the first one you've watched as a podcast as it happens yeah. <laughs> through podcaster <laughs> eyes. That's true. That's true. And it's, but it, it, I also feel like this is the first one that I have watched with a community as big as the one that we are grateful and just impossibly like happy to have here at open pike night. Because when we put out a call, we say, you know, how was that episode? What do you guys think? There have been episodes where we didn't have enough time to get to everybody, where we had to leave people off. There have been people talking to us on Twitter for like days on end after we put an episode <laughs> out. Like, And chiefly among those people, Danielle, and I have to say, Danielle, thank you for all of your calls and for just your beautifully eloquent words that you always send us. Like you, We have had guests com- comment on that. We've had other callers comment on that. Like, It is a feature of Open Pike Night, so thank you for helping us make the show that we make. And I have to agree. I mean, at the start of this series, they basically showed, you know, like they had some clips of the January 6th riots from America, and they were like, here's where things could potentially go really bad for everybody forever. Like, you know, for the predictable ever. And, um, or you can do this with your planet. And he, you know, has to basically mm-hmm. threaten the Kyleans into doing the right thing. That's a great point. First of all, thank you, Danielle, because yes, I'm one of those people who says, oh my goodness, she has the most beautiful words every single time. You sound like poetry. Keep it up. It's beautiful to hear in my earbuds. classes the stage up in a big <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah, I feel much less eloquent now. But I, I also like that they took things that are happening now. There were obviously multiple episodes this season that were not even thinly veiled attempts at social commentary of now (laughs) and that's okay because it felt like the type of lesson that might actually sink in and work because it's it's packaged beautifully and it's given gently and it's leading people to want more and that's that's amazing and I always have liked that Star Trek isn't afraid to to make those comments on society, whether or not they stand the test of time or not. It's they're willing. And I think that this is going to be a season that people look will look back on and say, yeah, they really were a show of that moment and for that moment. And look what's happened since. You're absolutely right, Danielle. And you make some great points on that. When you say how optimistic it is, I mean, at first, yeah, you think about lift us where suffering cannot reach. You're like, is that optimistic? We're looking at they're hunting down these baby Gorn, which are basically an alien species. They are killing the babies because they cannot Picard reason with them. Uh, You know, you look at Pike's whole arc is a metaphor for like, you know, the, the inevitability of death like that, that 
black beeping chair is just a metaphor for all of our deaths that we all will have to face someday. And these are dark topics, but you're absolutely right. Like the tone they managed to evoke is one of optimism. And as, as you guys have said, makes these things feel surmountable. And I think that's what a lot of people, I mean, I remember that's what a lot of people were looking forward to in our early shows and callers. Um, that sense of optimism that Trek has always had. I remember it, Marcy always talked about one of the reasons she loved TNG is because it's one of the few utopian visions of the future that we have in science fiction. There's not a lot. And I totally understand the, the instinct of showrunners to be like, well, that's boring. We need a conflict. We need drama. Let's, let's see the gritty underbelly of, of Starfleet. And I'm not even saying you shouldn't tell those stories because yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about our current situation, tell those stories. But Strange New World shows that you can be dark, but still have that utopian tone that we Trek fans are craving. Yeah. yeah. And and with the, the point of the maybe not aging so well of some of the episodes that Star Trek has made addressing societal issues, even I would go out on a limb and say the worst one is from the first season of next generation. And it's like people are like, that's a really <laughs> racist episode. Like, yeah, but the crew isn't being racist. Like it's, it's a really racist mm-hmm. the way they produced it episode, the but it, yeah, it's, racist, yeah, it's right? not like the crew is out there just dropping slurs all over the place. Like, so <laughs> like, yeah, even, even the when it's really bad, it's, it's still, yeah. the point good. of it wasn't to go racism is yeah, all right. So it's, well, and then it, when it, when it works, you get the outcast, which is, you know, a societal comment for something in the early nineties. And 20 years later is a completely yeah. different societal comment that is relevant today. Yeah. That was probably an episode that people would not picture had staying power for that long. To that point, even though that episode arguably stumbles in a couple of places, people still look at it now and go, hey, they took a shot. Yeah. They took yeah. a swing. Yeah. And yeah. and this, I think, to Abby's point, this is definitely taking yep. swings. And I yeah. love that. I mean, I agree with John that, yes, this is an uneven episode. But when things didn't quite work for me, it was never because it was boring. It was never because they played it safe. Like, everything that doesn't work for me is because they took a swing and they tried something big and bold. And I can appreciate yeah. it for that. We have another returning guest, a open pike night stage classic. Hi. This is Peter, and here are some random thoughts about Strange New Worlds. Now that it is complete, I can say that it was my favorite season of the current Trek shows. The episodic approach, which we talked a lot about, worked. The entire cast gave excellent performances, and all the production teams did excellent jobs. I'm excited for season two and want to see how the various open threads get resolved. I look forward to seeing the return of Captain Angel, as well as more of Cybok, not just the back of his head, and perhaps one episode which updates us on Spock into Pring. I would also like to have an Otegas and Chapel get their own episodes. One question I have is what types of new stories would you want to see in Season 2? I would like to see some sort of Ocean's Eleven heist episode, as well as a Mission Impossible type episode, including a mask script in which the team works together to trick an enemy to do something they didn't want to do. I also wonder if we can get some sort of crossover episode between Strange New Worlds and another Trek series, such as Lower Decks or Prodigy, perhaps using the holodeck or some sort of flashback to make the connection. Thanks again, Open Pike Night, for providing this forum for the fans to share their thoughts and exchange their opinions and reactions about Season 1. Your podcasts enhance the whole viewing experience. 
Take care and live long and prosper. And that was once again Peter at Peter Trek One returning to the Open Pike Night stage. He's been with us from the very beginning, and uh, thank you very much, Peter. We appreciate it, and it's been great to enjoy it along with all of our callers and all of our audience. We uh, we had some fun suggestions there for different plots we might see. Go ahead, Abby. What do you got? All right. So Peter must have been reading my mind because I had <laughs> the idea a couple days ago. I'm like, ooh, we could do a crossover with Lower Decks if Lower Decks did like a, these are the voyages <laughs> enterprise finale thing. And like, you know, we've got all of our four in there playing roles or playing along with the entire Captain, you know, Pike and the entire crew of the Enterprise. And that could be so much fun because we know they can do comedy. So it would be oh. awesome to see that. So, Peter, I love your brain. That was a fabulous thought that we both shared. Well, Abby, I want to ask real quick because I've kind of been surprised. It feels like the the series they would most likely reference would be Enterprise. There's still a couple of characters from that who could still be around, right? Like really so what, old how, to Paul. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. The Lower Decks connection. Okay, we know what Mariner uses the holodeck for, right? Mm -hmm. What better crew to do that on the holodeck with than the entire Strange New Worlds crew mm. in a simultaneous cameo? Yeah. I mean, yeah. please. Does anyone know the timing of production? Will Lower Decks Season 3 have some Strange New Worlds connections? Did they have the scripts when they were writing that season? I don't Animation know. Animation takes so season long. Four? I know, I know. We're probably going to have to wait for yeah. season four, Lower Decks. We might, yeah. yeah. I, but yeah. I think it should happen, personally. So, Absolutely. Mike McMahon, if you're listening, if we put this in a clip and point it at you, we will take full credit for the idea. We don't even want to be paid. <laughs> also, uh, my one contribution would be, in all the scenes on the holodeck, Uhura needs to be in every department. And they'd be like, so which department is she in? It's like, it's really unclear. I don't know. <laughs> Records have her all over the shit. <laughs> that would be perfect. Yeah. She has We're different hairstyles. Sure there's yeah. her different places. Yeah. When she could be wearing a different uniform variant in every one. Yeah. No, she was an engineer. No, she wasn't. She was in. Yeah. There could be a whole thing about how Boimler can't find the room that has Fandance Uhura. Yep. <laughs> like, it's like, I found Fandance Guinan, but I can't find Fandance Uhura. <laughs> to the wonderful Mr. Peter's point, is there a specific style of plot or another movie that you guys mm. could think of that you would like to see the Strange New Worlds crew do? I personally, you know, a quality of mercy, of course, got me thinking, like, what if this, what if Pike got to see, you know, okay, here's what happens in the TNG timeline if you do this, you know? But of course, that's just me wanting everything that it could possibly exist there's no reason to do that so i'm left to think of a plot that i've seen in a star trek or i guess maybe that i haven't seen in a star trek but i'm i'm really i really like the one of our characters wakes up on an alien planet and thinks they're part of the population of that planet and then we find out why or how they get busted out of that population or how they get them back that sort of a thing um it's happened to multiple characters and i I always have fun with yeah. it. I would love to see like a high speed chase, like a mm. gone in 60 seconds Star Trek. Right? I don't want to say Fast and Furious because Justin Lin already directed a Star Trek movie. But uh, <laughs> I like I want to, you know, I want to see just this like, no, this is a long chase. Just just this keeps getting, 
you know, building and getting now, crazier, stuff like that. Is this a chase through space, yeah. John, or is this a terrestrial like, chase? Like, start okay. terrestrial and then go to space, you know? Have it be mm-hmm. part of have it be part of getting Nuna out. Yeah, maybe it could also be a race, a multi-phasic space chase race, <laughs> a starship race it's- episode where like a that I would I, a Starfleet race. I personally want a musical episode, like, and I don't yes. know that the Strange New World cast <laughs> would be the first one. The Discovery cast has some incredible singers on it. Yep, and I don't mm-hmm. I don't know anything about the singing ability of most of the Strange New Worlds cast. We, Rebecca Romaine, uh, well, and Ethan Peck, they both did. Major General, but uh, yeah, I think that would be so much. Chrissy fun. Chung. Oh, that's true. That's true. That that she song of mourning. <laughs> her moment. Yes. <laughs> I just think it would be fun, and you know, there would be the people who would absolutely adore it, and it would become a cult classic, and then the people who would absolutely hate it. And you know what? If you have, by the time we're done with what we know is coming, it's going to be closer to nine hundred episodes or something. If there is one or two that you don't really like, just don't watch them. Watch the rest. <laughs> That's kind of my feeling. Yeah, I love uh, survivalist uh, movies and episodes Ooh. like, yeah, you know, the the first half of uh, Riddick or um, or some other ones. But like, I, I love like, yeah, let's get one or two of the members stuck on an alien planet. I love when they're like taken away from any of their technology, sort of like uh, maybe Star Trek Beyond part of that. Uh, the rest of the crew is trying to find them up on the ship so you can intercut. But like they're down there having to use their wits and whatever they can find. Uh, th- those are always fun. Also, I mean, I, I'm a sucker for any time they travel back to like around our time. Yeah. And then just thinking about that and thinking about like that DS9 Tribbles episode or maybe Back to the Future 2 even. I'd love to see like the Strange New Worlds crew. Something's gone wrong with the mission to the whales and they've got to go yes. back and like <laughs> secretly help them out to save the whales. But without yes. the original crew knowing could be a lot of fun that's the only way to do it for people to not be like this is stupid because it's like everything they want right they're like yeah just put pike here now they're like oh my god we went to the wrong year now we have to take whales from that's now good back idea, to there to put them in the ocean for them to find to take back to here that come on so and they're just, they're just talking idea. to the whales like all right let's do this yeah <laughs> All right, we heard from the rest. Let's hear from the best of the Sci-Fi Wise Guys podcast. Hey, everyone, it's Anthony, the better half of the Sci-Fi Wise Guys podcast, (laughs) here to say that this first season of Strange New Worlds was like a greatest hits album for Star Trek. We got the Captain Preaches to Aliens, but is really preaching to the audience episode. The Cadet is smarter than everyone else on the ship and saves the day episode. A Space Virus episode. Submarine episode. An I Lost Control of My Body episode. Sudden introspective (laughs) commentary on modern society episode. We invited the villain to dinner episode. A holodeck episode, (laughs) my personal favorite. Stranded away team versus malevolent alien force episode. And a yesterday's Enterprise slash Q shows Picard that he needs to be stabbed through the heart slash homage to TOS episode all wrapped into one. (laughs) Overall, really, really enjoyed this season of Strange New Worlds. I think this is what people were expecting whenever they announced new Star Trek, whenever they announced Discovery, whenever they announced Picard, and they didn't get it until now. I think it's a credit to the showrunners, the writers, the actors that they filmed all of these before releasing them. So I'm really excited to see what they give us next season. Overall, I have to say that Himmer was my favorite character, R.I.P. A Quality of Mercy is 
probably my favorite episode. I think it'll be a lot of people's favorite episode. My second favorite is definitely the holodeck episode. It was a lot of fun. And I'm hoping that this heralds in another golden era for Star Trek. And that was Anthony, co-host of the Sci-Fi Wise Guys podcast, returning to the Open Pike Night stage. I think we should call it the Latinum Age of Star Trek. I've heard that bantered around a bunch of places. And <laughs> oh, let the good. golden age be golden. And then this is the Latinum Age. Because by the time we're done, we probably will have had more series than the golden age. Maybe not more episodes because the seasons are shorter, but definitely more series. So. Let's call mm-hmm. it the Latin image. More characters. Yeah, definitely yeah. more characters. And, you know, I like that. to Anthony's other point about um, this is what people wanted, I I just wanted to bring up that I have a, a good friend who loved all of the Golden Age, but tried Discovery, tried Picard, wasn't into it. And I said, I saw her recently and I said to her, can we please try Strange New Worlds? And she did and she loved it. And now she's going back and watching everything else new and her mind is more open she's more ready she's she and i think that's what this is going to do it's going to pull in new people it's going to convince people it's going to get people excited and people who maybe did dip in and then dipped out will try again and that is always a good thing because more people loving star trek means more star trek that is me abby not not your friend but like yeah i i watched and didn't love the first two seasons of Discovery, and I've now watched Strange New Worlds and loved it. And I, I, I mean, I've been planning to go back to Discovery and, and watch the next two. And I, I wonder if uh, with the Strange New Worlds filling, if, if that's going to affect my perspective. That's a good point. I'll let I, you know. I'll I personally back. would guess that it will just because you, Cameron, as an understander of story structure, which is what I have written on your business card next to your well, name. Appreciate it. You're quite welcome. <laughs> Uh, we'll go Latin uh, lettering. This is totally just a different flavor of Star Trek, much as Lower Decks is a very unique flavor of Star Trek, and a Prodigy is a very unique flavor of Star Trek. Right? I think somebody somewhere high up in Paramount realized we could just make Star Trek for everyone. Like it will be <laughs> fine. Make it for kids. Make it for people that hate the new stuff. Make it for people that love the new stuff. Just give them the old stuff in addition to that. Heck, even have some of the new folks go back to the old stuff. It'll be great. <laughs> like, they finally figured out that their most viable property should really be mined. And I I have to push on anyone that says that, like, you know, now that Strange New Worlds is here, we're going. It's like, it did. It literally started with Discovery. You don't have to like Discovery, but Discovery kicked off this whole current era, yep. and I am mm-hmm. so happy to be part of this era at all. <laughs> like this is just amazing. And and yes, I I think Star Trek greatest hits and the way that Anthony went through those one by one was really really good. Yes, like, that's what I've been trying to do all season. When <laughs> yeah. I've been saying that they're going to pull the X Files and do like one of it. Thank you, Anthony, for finally listing them all. Yeah, I was incapable. You did it marvelously. Well, and we all know the Western episode is coming because (laughs) we know that Anson Mount is going back on a horse. So at some point he's putting on the Mm. full garb and we're having a full Western (sighs) somewhere, somehow. (laughs) I want to see a straight up like high noon showdown (laughs) between captain pike and ortegas as gunslingers like <laughs> i just think that would work right like cast ortegas as the villain in this adventure for whatever reason 
Uh, maybe they fly backward through Deborah the Nebula. <laughs> I could I could see Angel coming in for uh, oh, a Western man. Like that in the showdown between Oh, Pike and, and Angel. you could see maybe Cybok using some kind of mind thing to mess with mm. their perception to make them mm-hmm. think they're in an old West town. Mm. Oh, and then T'Pring could have a callback joke. She could go, now it is your turn to get out of town. Wait, I'm sorry. I'm just stuck on putting people in old footage now. What Westerns does Paramount own? Because oh, we know man. Pike loves to watch old yep. movies so yeah saibot could be spying in and be like oh what are you watching today zap there you are <laughs> well you know it could always just be the old classic star trek trope of somehow this entire town population from 1848 yeah, exactly. got transported yeah. to a planet <laughs> and they found it hospitable and they could just keep being pioneers and here come the that cowboys never happens in star trek <laughs> you guys What'd you find? Django Unchained is on here, and so is the Mask of Zorro. So, Zorro! Oh my god, that's I have goosebumps. That's I don't know about you guys. Antonio Banderas in Star Trek? <laughs> yes! How, find is, a way to bring back yes. Antonio Banderas for this. Oh my god, I'm in. Antonio Banderas as Cybok. He's playing Cybok. Oh man, uh, you know what? I would absolutely I, take an Antonio Banderas Cybok, yes. So I can see it. <laughs> Especially if at the end of that episode, the whole point was he had just kidnapped Tango from Earth and snuck him onto the bridge when they were all busy. <laughs> so when they come back, it's like, damn it, there's a horse on the bridge. That was that was the whole thing. Just Cybok is like, yeah, all right. <laughs> He's just breaking yep. him now. <sighs> My brother hates horses, so hey. Say, I was going to be like, you guys, let's fan cast Cybok, but now there's no reason to. <laughs> I was too, but. Like, <sighs> we have another new guest on stage who poses an important question. Let's hear what they have to say. Hey guys, how's it going? This is Melissa Navia. I feel like we know each other. I know we don't, but it feels like we do because you guys have been so supportive and your enthusiasm on Twitter has just been incredible. Um, I play Ortegas. I don't know if... Uh, know if I need to say that, but I have now said it. Um, so I've been meaning to do this for a few weeks, but I've just been exhausted from wrapping season two filming and general life stuff. But today I've been doing interviews and um, all jazzed on coffee. Um, and so I was just like, let's go ahead and do this. So um, don't know if I'm entirely getting how this works. And I think I missed a deadline that existed and uh, either way, you have this if you ever want to use it. But here's my question. So you guys came up with the hashtag Mortegas, which is so cool. And um, I love it because it's just like a rallying cry for more Ortegas, which is, is a wonderful thing. Um, but I've noticed that some people use it with an E in the middle. So I think you guys use it without the E in the middle. And then some people use it with an E in the middle. So more like M-O-R-E, Tegas, and then you guys say more Tegas without the E in the middle. So in a past life, I was an editor, and sometimes these things creep into my brain and make it difficult for me to appreciate things like a regular person because I'm a total dork. Um, But yeah, just want your thoughts on uh, which is the way we should go with, or are both ways fine, and um, am I just a super dork, and I totally am, and I think those are my 90 seconds, and I'm going to go say bye now. Bye! That was Melissa Navia at Melissa C. Navia on Twitter current star of the hit new Star Trek series, Strange New Worlds, calling in for the first time to the Open Pike Night stage. Welcome to the stage, Melissa. I legitimately forgot that that was coming. <laughs> I got excited all over again hearing it. Well, your listeners can't see, but you all laughed at me because I started flailing like a Muppet over here, just like, ah! Okay, so I, I will that tell, was the, reaction we were hoping tell for. the story here. So I get all the clips. Cam and Jesse don't get to hear them before the show. 
This was the one exception because it's like, well, yeah, I have to share this. <laughs> I was walking through a parking garage, just checking my email and pops up Melissa Navia. And I believe my first three messages to Cam and Jesse were guys, 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 <laughs> and then a screenshot. It was like the one time that day we weren't yeah, around nobody on was Twitter. <laughs> and then, yes, when I finally, we, I agreed, all right, we're all going to get to hear this. And yeah, I was just dancing around my hotel room while I listened to it. So fantastic. Yes. Thank you so much for calling Melissa out. We, we feel legitimized. Uh, and, and I'm going to go ahead and uh, let Jesse answer as the one who coined Mortagus, uh, because I feel I have used it both ways in the past. So, Jesse, <laughs> let's correct everyone. What is the proper use of hashtag Mortagus? Let's let me first say, oh, my God, <laughs> I connected with so many things that you said in your call, Melissa. Um, I can't tell you the first time that I saw Cameron tweet out hashtag Mortegas with an E in it, I was like, how do you tell another adult that you are angry with them over like the most trivial thing that you... like, do I t like, I can't just be like, Hey, so the next time you do this, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it's the weirdest thing. I mean, you obviously know what I mean. Cause you mentioned it in your call, but, um, I, I think that we here at open pike night, the official podcast of hashtag Mortegas. I think we prefer to stick with M-O-R-T-E-G-A-S because it keeps the emphasis where it belongs, which of course is on Ortegas. Correct. Which is I kind of the whole point. So yeah. let's go with that hashtag Mortegas. And having said that, as long as someone wants hashtag Mortegas, I don't care how you spell it. If you put it in Klingon, <laughs> even better. <laughs> Wanting Mortegas is not wrong. So we will not shame you. But here at Open Pike Night, the official stance is. Right. And my um, Twitter filter may not catch it. I guess I should probably just add it in there. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, but yes, I don't want to speak for Kim and John and abby so i will not i will just speak for myself and say when when we started a strange new worlds call-in podcast uh like two months ago we didn't know that it was gonna work we didn't know that anybody would call into it at all um we figured we would get a lot of trolls and it, like to to have the response from the community that we have had and for that to culminate in just this cool little like you've 90 seconds you followed the format you knew there was a deadline i just i am overwhelmed with love and nerd happiness right now and i cannot say thank you enough to melissa navia for taking a part of her day to share just the most wonderful thought on hashtag mortegas with us and our audience and i gotta say melissa if you ever need like a podcast to plug a product or you know whatever it is you know who to call <laughs> Well, and thank you to you guys for letting me be the guest on this one to get to <laughs> hear this and experience this. And to be able to say to Melissa, first of all, Mortegas, a thousand percent forever. Uh, I have absolutely loved your performance this year. You have been extraordinary. And I also wanted to say thank you for all that you're doing in the Star Trek community, especially on Twitter. She's really been calling out some of the, the nastier and uglier sides that occasionally pop up and speaking truth to power is never easy and it doesn't always get a gentle response but i am so 
happy that we have somebody on a Star Trek right now who is out there interacting with people like this. I mean, Melissa, you are Star Trek, so thank you for everything. She is a warrior on and yes. off the screen. Absolutely. And, and Abby, the way you said that, the way you celebrated Melissa just then is perfect because that's exactly the call we're putting out when Melissa is our guest next week on Open Pike Night. Yay! Muppet arms! <laughs> Muppet arms! <laughs> we will be interviewing Melissa tonight if you're listening to this the day this episode drops. And you will hear that interview not tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she is a warrior on and yes. off the screen. We, uh, we normally like to have quizzes on our other podcasts, Green Shirt and Newbies Trek Through the Next Generation and Sudden But Inevitable. And we haven't really been doing that on Open Pike Night, which makes sense because we're an Open Mic Night themed podcast. But uh, we did come up with some questions for our retrospectacular. Uh, Jesse, you want to explain the rules? So basically, we thought, let's go broad strokes here. You know, let's give people a lot of options to choose from. We want to know what your favorite ship is. And I mean, this could be a theoretical ship. This could be a ship that happened on screen. But I do mean apostrophe ship as in <laughs> relation. Uh, Chahura or Tapple. <laughs> Uh, I think Puna was was maybe suggested once, but immediately discarded. Of course, thank God. Um, well, what else are you going to call Pike and Una? I guess you could call them Kruna. A anyways, favorite ship, and then the mm -hmm. second category is favorite ship. And now, of course, because this takes place in space, we're talking about spaceships, right? Okay, so favorite ship, favorite ship, and. Favorite snip, which of course is Captain Pike hairdo, because I mean, what are we? What are we? Are we amateurs? As you clearly just heard, we are not. So we are going to pick our favorite ship, our favorite ship, and our favorite snip each from the first season of Strange New Worlds. Shall we start with our guest producer? Let's John? do it. So Abby, let's go. Let's start with apostrophe ship. All right. So I totally love cheating at games. And so I picked one that I wanted to see more of that we've kind of seen and one that I wish mm -hmm. that we would see. And I love the Spock and T'Pring relationship in this. I love this T'Pring for so many reasons. And I want to see that more explored because every episode she's on, it reframes TOS in a better, deeper way. And I think that's awesome. And the one that I think we just barely saw maybe a tenth of a percent of is I want to see more with Pike and Mbenga. They have history together. They they've served together. Mm -hmm. I would like to see more of that friendship explored in season two. Cameron, what about you? A hundred percent on, on T'Pring. I've, I've said it before, but one of my biggest surprises of this season was at first thinking like, okay, we're going to hate T'Pring and why T'Pring. And by the end being like, oh my God, I care about this character in this relationship. And oh shit. Now TOS is better for it. Um, yeah, mine are, sure, if Abby cheated, I'm going to cheat too. Let's do a romantic one and a platonic one. Both involve chapel. Romantic, I mean, we all kind of saw a little bit of a flirtation between Ahura and chapel in that first episode. So I want to see the Chahura relationship, maybe. Maybe, you know, they, te they test the waters. It doesn't quite work out, but they're friends after. Love to see that. The one that I really think we might see and I want to see more of because we saw a hint of it would be uh, chapel and... Ortegas. Yeah. Uh, I want, like, like I think it was Peter said, I want not only their backstory separately, but together they seem like buddies. I want the buddy episode between the two of them just out 
palling around, causing a ruckus like you know that they do when they're on oh, yeah. shore leave. All right, Jesse, how about you? I I actually really, really like your answer, Abby, because I have seen almost no shipping, platonic or otherwise, of Mabenga uh, personally on uh, the internet. But I think I think Ortegas and um, basically anyone I would like to know more of the backstory of, right? Hashtag Ortegas. But if it's going to be specifically like a flashback episode, I think I just want a Nurse Chapel and Mabenga episode because in that mm-hmm. first episode or uh, yep, first yeah, first episode, first episode yep. yeah, they have this shorthand kind of like Hawkeye and Black Widow where they're like, oh, this is just like that other time we did that crazy medical thing, right? So I would really like to see where either he went, that's who I want on the Enterprise with me, or maybe where they meet up if we're going to get a flashback episode. Um, and yeah, I just, I think Mbenga with more characters, I think mm-hmm. is, is a good thing. Now I have to say, I really like the Spock to bring chapel triangle. I mm-hmm. call that to spackling. And because of that, I think to spackling is my final answer. <laughs> it sounds like that popcorn ceiling yep. stuff. <laughs> I'm sorry. Now I'm just picturing redoing my walls with a Lirpa. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I'm going to be thinking about for the rest of the episode. Sorry, guys. I'm checked out. Hell yeah. I agree. I do really want to see some backstory with Mabangam and Pike. That was my my first pick. Like They talked this up. They have addressed this <clears throat> and referenced this. And then if I had to pick a romantic one, I'd like to see Mabanga and Una. You know they they've had this shared understanding. Un- yeah, this understanding. They've had this the the shared story of his daughter shared yeah, secret. Shared secret, and she's going to be coming back to the ship relatively quickly. Just going to throw that guess out there, um, <laughs> and then just for uh, you know probably a really fun guess is just going to be Sam Kirk sleeping his way through the ship trying to deal with all the trauma he died he got chased by aliens he's got so many good oh poor me pickup lines going on it's yeah yeah wait a minute wait a minute i'm sorry you think sam kirk is a sympathy dater like i didn't i didn't say date and when oh gotcha now that we've all gotten our favorite ships out of the way it's time to talk favorite ships Mm, mm-hmm. let's keep the same pattern abby what was your favorite ship this season okay so this was hard because there were some really strong contenders and i'm going to assume that you guys are picking some of the ones i didn't because the one i really liked was to shuttle in the serene mm, squall oh, nice. you only see the outside of it like very briefly but it is that classic vulcan ship it's got the whole circle and the little part in between one of my favorite ship designs ever. I just think it's it's elegant and it's geometric. And as someone who watches a lot of Enterprise, when you see a lot of the Vulcan things in there, they are just that. They're very simple and structured. And that was the inside of her shuttle. And more and more, I've been noticing all the different Vulcan things. Discovery did this too. The inside of all the Vulcan ships or rooms that you see has this, this same similar kind of hexagonal and triangle shapes in it. And that bit of continuity, along with the circle ship, just sealed it for me. It was a beautiful ship inside and out. 
Uh, all right. Just uh, as as like a big Aliens fan, I've got to go with the Peregrine and just the way I, I mean, not necessarily the ship itself, but the way it was crash landed there and the way we got all the cool shots and the 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 derelict oh, ghost yeah. ship element. I mean, that just made it so much fun to look at and be inside of. Uh, so that's 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 my quick answer. The Peregrine. Excellent. Jesse. I really like that. And I think actually to the mention earlier of a racing episode that Peregrine, mm. once it's mm. been repaired, that would be the way to go, right? Because that was basically yep. the Sombra class was just designed oh. to be faster, right? I could totally see some like uh, outrageous Okana type, yeah. like buying it from Starfleet because they were just scrapping <laughs> it and like he soups it up, grease lightnings it. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't it be funny if they remade a, a Star Trek short trek or an episode or something and they made it like Mario Kart with all the little shuttles ah. and it was a shuttle race <laughs> and they ha- could lay out little bombs and things for each other it would be so silly but we're all laughing because you know coral shells they're shooting at each other there's where your lower decks holodeck program comes in all the shuttles are piloted by people from the original enterprise and they're playing mario kart style that's even better now do you guys remember there's like an old hanna-barbera cartoon where it was like all the different hanna-barbera characters were like yes yeah there it is I remember the pure like combination of fascination and dread that I had with both Gorn ship designs in Memento Mori. Mm-hmm. Uh, that little fighter ship, first of all, that had the center of gravity that it would rotate mm-hmm. around. I was like, that's incredibly disorienting and immediately alien to me, right? Like, I know that there is not a human behind the wheel of that thing because we wouldn't do that with our design. <laughs> it wouldn't work with our brains. And then that destroyer ship that they finally that we finally get to see the entirety of in the brown dwarf in close proximity to this black hole it's just like the weirdest most predatory shape and it's like got curves of teeth and claws on it and it just is alien right it is so <laughs> non it's it's strange and it's new it's one of the strangest newest things in the series despite being from a species that we ostensibly know at least a little bit about, I couldn't bring these up without shouting out Daniel J. Burns, who is the senior concept artist on the show. He has been very generous with his time on Twitter. And I mean, all of the all of the artists that work on this show, I don't know if you've seen it, but there's like uh, Timothy Peel is putting out screens from the Enterprise um who's the set decorator because he's showing some great photos of justin craig the set decorator is making some amazing sets i cannot believe the fidelity that they can translate concept art into a set these days it's like it is mind-blowing and that's before you consider the like the virtual set uh Mm -hmm. equipment right so uh short answer john the gorn ships (laughs) (laughs) i had to choose back and forth but i do think the shepherd ship from uh children of the comet I, I yes. thought more about it and I did start rewatching the season recently. I'm like, okay, now I know why like these people have literally just been flying behind a Mahani for their whole lives and you're going to get bored. So what are you going to do? You're going to continuously improve and build and redesign your ship because it's literally all you've got <laughs> to do. You're going to, mm-hmm. you know, find resources and they, it's just that ship is a work of art both in the show and in the design of the of the show. And I just really, really enjoy the size, the scope of it, and and the way the, the Enterprise crew reacts. It's like, okay, what do we do? It's like, 
you guys are screwed. <laughs> if you actually get into a fight, you're screwed. John, hearing you talk about that, I just figured out why the ship looks why it the way that it does. So it's like this massive swirling rings, right, all around a central mm-hmm. point. They're like orbits of comets of other Harbinger comets. It's mm. like this. It's like an orrery built into a spaceship. Yeah. Like, oh my god, I love this frigging Star Trek show. <laughs> My runner-up was Mahanid itself, because I think you could classify that yeah. as a ship. Or it had some man-made being. structures on it. Or a being. It's it's a little bit all three yep. things. The Venn diagram meets in the middle. Mahanid is the middle of that Venn diagram. Excellent. You guys, I'm going to watch Star Trek after this. <laughs> well, if we're doing honorable mentions, you could go watch DS9 Explorers, because Strange New Worlds had the Rongovians with that gorgeous solar ship, too, which was yep. my second choice, because mm. that was beautiful. That was a beautiful, yeah. yeah. Now, as far as something that people really like, we still have to pick our favorite snip, our favorite Pike hairdo from season one of Strange New World. Oh, Abby? Wow. So I this is probably the question that I thought the most about preparing for this, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but and I surprised myself with the answer that I ended up landing on because it wasn't what I expected. But I have to say that I I watched this every episode with my husband to begin with. And when we got to Ghosts of Illyria, he turned and looked at me about three minutes in and went, his hair is so tall, it doesn't fit on the screen. (laughs) (laughs) I kept watching for it the rest of the episode. And it's funny because when he's down on the planet with Spock and the colonists that are like energy come in and they go on the floor, it's slightly must But you can see Mm. it almost looks like they told him, take your fingers and put it back. Because then when they stand up and he's put himself back together, it's not exactly the same. It's taller. (laughs) And I just, I have to say, I don't think it ever got taller than in the Ghosts of Illyria. So Mm. that is, Mm -hmm. whether he helped do that himself by by finger combing it back or not. It was the... The ectoplasm. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Or yeah, static yeah. from all that electricity, right? <laughs> There's something about Illyria. I, I guess so. And it just makes you taller. Yeah, I, I remember episode one, we were all like, that hair. And then every bigger. episode for three episodes was like, where it gets, he keeps growing. What is he feeding it? And then it kind of plateaued yeah. at three and then kind yeah. of just, yeah, different variations on a theme from there. So, and, and I do, I, I was telling these guys earlier, like some episodes that felt like like the hair was in control of the man. And I don't know. I was I was trying to look for the episode where I felt like the man just barely had control of the hair. And then I went somewhere completely different. I'm going with Pike's hair at the very beginning of episode one, the bedhead hair, where it's the long skater dude yep. hair. But if you look, it still has the style. It's still There's got still his, a swoop yeah, coming down. It's got his Elysian Kingdom curls at the top. Yeah. And it's just yeah. lower. It's like it's it's swooping down instead of swooping up. The Captain Patel post bed hair is what I'm uh, my choice for snip. And that hair has the beard too. So yeah, you know you go. you've got double the amount of hair from shoulders up, and <laughs> that beard is immaculate as well. So just say it. And so I've got to definitely have a bit of beard in beyond <laughs> that. I will never be able to wear a beard like that. Me neither. <laughs> Okay, don't sell yourself short, Abby. <laughs> now, <laughs> this is difficult for me because I'm not really mm. an honorable mention kind of guy, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to give an honorable mention to Admiral Pike yes. from the sexiest mm. timeline <laughs> um, because I like. there's no way to improve on 
the character of Pike and his hair, and then they put him in that uniform. I was like, oh, that's that's how you do it. Okay. <laughs> so I think that deserves its own mention. Um, silver and red is what we called that in our poll because he had the glass of red wine. I think I think I'm going to go with three and agree with Abby though because it has four complete loops at one point in the third episode, and I was like, that is. Not- Those loops have become sentient. They've taken yeah. over Captain Pike. <laughs> the physics don't make sense. <laughs> and I'm going to go have to go with episode two. I'm going to have to go with Children of the Comet again. Um, the the hair. It's the first time we get to see him order the ship to fire on another ship. It's the, the I like this plan. This is a good plan line. It is the scene at the end with Una with the Terminator reference and him walking through through shadow and then into the fire. We get to see the hair there, too. Yeah, uh, episode two is absolutely the the best hair of the season. So that was Open Pike Knight's favorite ships, ships, and snips from season one of the Retrospectacular for Strange New Worlds. Hey, well, since I like to break the rules of the game, I'm giving you an honorable mention to other people's hair on this season because the hair in mm-hmm. general in this deserves a shout out. Mm. All the intricacies, like if you look at just La'an and Una, don't take any of the other characters, the amount of braids and buns and different things that still look professional and call back to TOS, gorgeous. Yeah. And don't make me think of Star Wars even a little bit, which is difficult. I'm legitimately saying is a good (laughs) thing because it is difficult to put braids on a woman in space and not have me think of Star Wars. And I did it. So good job. And we just need to quickly shout out Una's nails. We could have done Woo! a whole segment on oh that as well. Yeah. They're just and 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 okay. Spock. Ethan Peck had long hair as a wizard and it looked amazing. Yeah. Oh my god. I question my sexuality. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Like everybody's hair. And it's just that Anson Mount's hair happens to be like the capital H hair, you know? So Spock's like, sideburns though. I mean they get Oh yeah, they're they literally on point. Loops for, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Ouch. With with the Elysian <laughs> Kingdom, the only character whose hair does not change during that whole thing is Ortegas and Mbenga. So it's like, okay, Mbenga, well, I guess Hammer too. Yeah. So Mbenga and Hammer, they their their hair stays the same. Ortegas is just like, no, that hair is like, no, you don't get to mess with me. You can make her think she's somebody else. <laughs> it exists beyond universes. Yeah. It is quantum Deborah the Nebula locked. got nothing yep. on that haircut. <laughs> Deborah looked at that hair and yeah. was like, nuh-uh, I am not messing with her. Why mess with perfection? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that would have been funny if, if his daughter came back with her haircut. It's like, Deborah oh, really man. likes it. I don't know. <laughs> yes. Uh, Deborah and Ortegas, that's there my new go. ship. Everybody has the Ortegas haircut. That's the episode I want next season. Everybody wakes up with Ortegas haircut. That's what I want. Again, a cyborg prank. Uh. So. <laughs> See, there's an entire series of short treks. It's just different pranks. Yeah. That's right. You guys... I think that this whole Cybok as Wily Coyote thing could work. (laughs) (laughs) I want it. Well, Uh, so we are all enjoying discussing season one of Strange New Worlds. Let's hear from our next new guest on stage. Hey guys, this is Jesse at at Jester underscore Nene on Twitter. Uh, I just finished the first season and I admit you guys were right. Excellent storytelling, excellent execution, character development is so far on par. I think All uh, all Those Who Wander is probably my favorite, with Memento Mori and The Elysian Kingdom not far behind. 
It totally gave me Alien vibes along with Genesis from Next Gen, which is one of my favorites. I have already watched All Those Who Wander twice. It is that good. Watching the finale, I definitely got All Good Things vibes. And as I stated on Twitter, you do not mess with fate. Um, I love Ortegas. We don't know a lot about her, so I'm hoping for more in Season 2. Fingers crossed. But just what little we have had, she has been a lot of fun and that great balance of comic relief and just being super honest, which is needed in the Trek world. Um, I can't help but make up a Crusher connection with Una and Chris. I do not know too much of their stories since I do not, um, I did not watch the original series, but I do love their friendship and it reminds me a lot of the friendship we get with Picard and Crusher. So anyways, can't wait for season two and thanks for listening. Bye guys. And that was new guest Jesse on stage at Jester Nene on Twitter. First time caller because I believe she just started watching the series after the finale had aired because we cyber vehemently encouraged her to. Cyber suggested. (laughs) We cyber suggested it. And just a uh, special shout out to Obi, the black cat who also made an appearance in that clip. And I got to say, if you ever are on Twitter and you feel that at open Pike is cyber suggesting that you watch strange new worlds, that is a hundred percent what is happening and you should totally do it. Like, (laughs) why would you not? Can you not see how much fun this is? And thank you, Jesse, for just trusting us. And we tell you that. And for calling in Jesse, we've been talking on Twitter for like the past two months or something now. And now here we get to hear your voice, your cat's voice. I love it. The show's amazing. Yeah. It's been great to have the experience of, helping bring other people into star trek and this uh, <laughs> that's not even the last clip we're going to hear where somebody talks about that tonight like i i am very pleased that this little show we started a couple months ago has become such a fun part of the trek community and that it actually is a community and it's a growing community so it's it's very heartwarming every time i look back at the short path we've traveled and look ahead to hopefully a very long path. Now, if I could just really quickly, Jesse, great name, by the way, um, brought up a good point. Is there an episode from this season that you guys think is going to be your most rewatched? It doesn't have to be Mm. your favorite because for me, it's already Memento Mori. Like I've seen that like nine or 10 times already. (laughs) And, but, but I did watch Equality of Mercy again after I watched Balance of Terror. So I'm already up to, I think, three on Equality of Mercy. And All Those Who Wander's at four, Elysian Kingdom's at three. Like, is there one that sticks out to you guys where you're like, this might become one of my, I'm putting that episode on just because episodes. Because mm-hmm. for me, it's I mean, definitely Memento Mori. All right. That, that's a good choice. That will probably be my second most watched from this season. But yeah, my favorite and my most rewatched will likely be uh, the Elysian Kingdom. Again, it's my favorite because it made me laugh out loud multiple times for 40 minutes and then made me cry like a baby for the last 10. Bravo. And also, I mean, it's just a super, maybe with the exception of those last 10 minutes, like just a super comfort food episode that like, yeah, yeah you can just put on and just enjoy a, a fun romp with those characters. Yeah. See, and I agree. I love, love the Elysian Kingdom, but I can't stab myself in the heart like that as often <laughs> because I that's lose true, it every time at the end of that one. So I, I've i seen them all at least four times at this point. And mm. my, yeah, I'm that person. I can't sleep sometimes. <laughs> but uh, I find that the one that I'm putting on as as background or when I just want something Strange New Worldsy is Spock Amok. Yeah. 
it's just mm. fun and it's easy to dip in and dip out and be kind of doing something else. And I mean, every single time that we have Spock slash to bring, say, there's one more chant I'd like to try. I might need a gong. <laughs> I just laugh. Like it's a guaranteed laugh for me. So that's I think that's line. the one that that's going to be probably my most played, even if I'm not a hundred percent paying attention to it all the time. I just feel good having it. Up. Oh, good answer. I might need to change my answer. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, love just for stuff I can cannot reach. Obviously. No, no, um, <laughs> no, uh, the Elysian kingdom is hands kingdom? down the one I'm just going to be like, you know what? I want to watch that again uh, because I, because it's so amazing, and also because it's, I was having an issue with the comedy in this season until the Elysian Kingdom. Like, ah, now mm. they did it. Now mm. they did it right. I have now armed myself. There's so many good lines in that so episode. Many. Well, and if we're talking about that episode for a second, I am a humongous costume nerd, and that mm. episode's costumes. Yes. I saw some of them at Mission Chicago, and I was blown away before I even know what they were for. I've got a thousand pictures on my phone, but seeing them in action, I don't understand how that episode was not nominated for an Emmy, because it had everything. TNG got nominated for, like, the most random, mediocre episodes for costumes, and, like, yeah, Elysian Kingdom had everything everything i think we're gonna see makeup nominations for this show next year i hope right, so we better mm. yeah mm. our next guest on stage is a returning guest and a new star trek fan hey guys tim here from the fsf popcast so i've mentioned this before but strange new worlds has opened a, a lot of trek doors for me i was very much a member of the star wars camp coming into this and star wars will still and always be my favorite but I have very much appreciated the storylines of Strange New Worlds. I've appreciated how they've developed the characters, like Ortega's. I, I really enjoy her. I enjoy how uh, the character of Hemmer was developed. I like how Hemmer worked with Uhura to make her feel like she was actually part of the group and how that, he, you see it in little bits all through the season, but right before Hemmer's death, you see that that's what like solidifies not only their relationship, but also... Uh, her personality. And so I thought that was just really cool. And I'm very excited to see what's going to happen in season two because of the, the way that strange new worlds has built their characters and has developed the story arc along the way. The other thing that this has done for me is it's led me to start watching the original series. So I've been going back to Paramount plus watching all of those there. And I'm about two thirds of the way through now with the, uh, the original series first season. And I'm excited to see how, in the future, Strange New Worlds ties into uh, the beginning of the original series with Captain Pike handing over the Enterprise. So anyway, uh, FSF Popcast, you can find us on Twitter at FSF Popcast, and you can find us on YouTube as well. Check us out. Have a good one. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Tim, for returning to the Open Pike Night stage. And uh, I do like that he talked about looking forward to the end of the series and seeing how it, how it is transitions to what we know as the original series. Because that's exactly what we started out Open Pike Night talking about with the with the Captain <laughs> Kirk reveal all those months ago. So it was it was a fun little mm-hmm. moment of like, oh yeah, that's right. We we've had that conversation a few times. So it's nice to hear nice to hear that that question is going to be an ongoing one, and probably really fun to hear people's theories change as the years go on and the seasons go on. Speaking on Tim's point of going back through TOS and your point of conversations we have had before on Open Pike Night, 
dedicated listeners may remember that I am not ultra well-versed in the original series, but I'm finding that I'm having the same experience. Um, I went and checked out, uh, I think right before the series started, I went and checked out The Trouble with Tribbles for the first time ever, and I was like, okay, that was fun. I enjoyed mm-hmm. that. You know, that was that was cool. But then I watched Space Seed, and I was like, oh, that was like uh, another echelon of quality, even among some TV I've seen recently. And then I watched Balance of Terror. I personally, even as a huge Trekkie, am finding myself blown away by some of the old Star Trek that I've never mm-hmm. seen. And if that's not an achievement for Strange New Worlds, I don't know what is. That's an excellent point, Tim. And hey, welcome to the correct side of the aisle. <laughs> <laughs> the correct side being still being a Star Wars fan at heart, but very much enjoying I'm just going to let that go, Cameron. We heard from Melissa Navia. <laughs> Nothing you say can hurt me. <laughs> That's right. Mark Hamill never called into the show. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> well, let's not let that call go without talking about the Hemmer and Uhura part of it for a mm. second, because I also agree. One of the things that I'm most sad about losing Hemmer with is losing that relationship, which I think really flourished. And the amount of deep respect that you could see there was just so cool that's what a mentor and mentee relationship should be like Mm -hmm. it was a good model of that and they both taught each other and that was absolutely beautiful and when um her is watching hemmer through the window window and she says please twice and her voice cracks on the second one i'm a mush like just mush so i mean it was I did not want Hummer to die if he had to go. It was honorable the way he went out, but it broke my heart. And I wish we would have had more of this next season. Yeah, I think if we had had more, more Hammer and Ahura, like his death might have uh, worked more for me. Yeah, I think we needed, we needed more of that because you're right. It was so good, that, that relationship between the two of them. I know we talked about it with, with episode nine, but, but if it was going to happen, it needed to happen at the end of season two, not the end of season one. Like it would have. I would say it was effective because of how upset people were. <laughs> How cool would it be if we get a visit to Andoria? It would be cool for her to go, this is Andoria, right? Like she could breathe in the air. She could feel the wind on her face. I think it would be cool to get Uhura to Andoria. Uh, we did have a call, uh, a new caller to the stage who we're not going to actually use this call tonight. Mark at Mark Dykeman on Twitter called in and we're going to save that call because it is very, very Spock-centric, and I think we're going to save that for a, a more Spock-focused episode, because I like the question. Cool, I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Um, mm-hmm. And also, uh, shout out to our friend Zoe at Backlook Cinema. He sent in a couple unused clips in the last episode. Don't worry, Zoe. Those are going to see the light of day, or hear the <laughs> light of day. I'm not sure what the what the phraseology is for that. <laughs> Hear the audio of pod. There we go. There, you go. there we go. There you go. Look at that. That's why we bring there that we I try. And thank you, Mark, for giving us a piece of material around which to form our season one open pike night retro spectacular. Hey. We do have one more guest on stage. Hey, Open Pike Night. I heard you're doing a season one retrospective of Strange New Worlds. And for me, it met and at times exceeded my expectations. 
I wasn't sure how they were going to do standalone episodes with serialized character arcs, but they did a phenomenal job. I adore Anson Mount as Captain Pike. I liked him in Discovery, but I love him in Strange New Worlds. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Riker, and (laughs) not just the cooking part, but the family feel and the way that he treats and respects the crew, but also that he's a person of action, kind of Kirkish that way. Uh, I also like how Pike opened up the other characters and made them accessible to fans to get to know. Uh, particularly my favorite new character is Ortegas. So hashtag Mortegas. I love her sass and her style. Uh, I For the OG characters, I loved Celia Rose Gooding's portrayal of Ahura. And I think she paid great homage to Nichelle Nichols while bringing her own spin to it. And same for Ethan Peck as Spock. Uh, really enjoyed that uh, more than I thought I would. I love Spock's character arc here and his relationship with Pike. Uh, I love all the different genres that they got into this season. They had a little bit of horror. They had, of course, sci-fi. And through that, they had some good ethical storylines. Um, Crusher Connection? Just that they crushed it this season. Uh, just like Gates McFadden nice. crushed playing Dr. Crusher on Next Generation. It's a stretch, but I'm running out of time. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. Live long and prosper. Thank you very much, Michelle. Uh, Welcome back to the stage. I love our show. <laughs> at on the rock 81 on Twitter, our good friend, Michelle. I asked Abby at the beginning, but I guess we should address like, guys, what were our expectations going into Strange New Worlds and how do we feel they were met uh, now that we've watched all 10 episodes? I didn't expect the depth to which the first season would go, both in addressing very dark and very heavy themes, but also in... I didn't expect to know this much about as many characters as I do by the end of it. I thought it would be good. I hoped it would be good. I I think it slightly uh, exceeded what I was hoping for. I do. I just remember watching the first episode with kind of bated breath. I, you, you know, I, there's so much TV out there and so much kind of franchised TV. And a lot of it is good with an asterisk. And so would, would would Strange New Worlds kind of fall into that? We're like, okay, well, it's Star Trek and it's fine, but do I really enjoy it? And I remember watching that first episode and going like, you know, we've started a whole podcast about this. I really hope I like this show. <laughs> and whew, by the end of episode one, I was like, all right, we can do this. This is a really fun show. It's good. Again, I've had my quibbles here and there. It's a little uneven in parts, but when it hits, it's one of the best things on TV. And when it doesn't hit, it's still an enjoyable watch. So yeah, I I'm, I'm really happy with what we got. I'll be honest for me. That was like, that was the biggest thing for this whole season, because like you guys, John producer, John and Cameron of green shirt, Anubis Trek through next generation already have a star Trek podcast, right? The green shirt, Anubis Trek through the next generation. <laughs> and Let's do that one more time. Three is the charm. It is a really good show. That's actually how we all met because I listened to your show and I was like, Please listen to my show. Your show's amazing. I love Star Trek. You guys are doing good work, and I love it. And I have remained a fan of your show, despite now having seen the sausage be made. <laughs> and I, I, I fully expected going into this to spend like half of every episode trying to get you guys to just leave it alone and like it. Because <laughs> you both have a much more professional frame of reference for what it takes to create televised entertainment than I do. Um, And you, as I said earlier, I think you both have a better understanding of like story structure and things like that than I do. 
And I think you watch with a more critical eye. Not that I'm just like, uh-huh, put it in front of me and I'm happy. <laughs> but like, I want to like the thing, right? So there, that is that goes into my analysis of anything that I watch. So to be able to watch a brand new show with you guys that I was like, I really hope they love this. And then it turns out you loved it. And basically like the entire world that has seen it loves it. <laughs> like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there are very few detractors of this show and sure they're vocal, but like everybody who is cool likes strange worlds. <laughs> and I am not used to being in the cool crowd while watching Star Trek. And that is just, it warms my heart in, in so many ways. And we have mentioned our community a lot, but I want to say thank you to you specifically, Cameron and John, because anybody who's ever made an independent podcast knows that it can be difficult. And there are days when it's like, I really don't feel like doing this. I have never felt that making open pike night. I am constantly just jacked to get in and record with you guys and build graphics and put out calls to action and interact with people. Like I am, my expectations for this show were that I would really enjoy myself. I have, they have been far exceeded. I will say that. I'm glad that this feels like something that when discovery does decide to end its run, which if it's the traditional seven is coming sooner rather than later, we have something that is going to keep the steam engine of this Latinum age going. And I think this, this is going to be the show that is going to take the torch when discovery is done. And I think that's a good thing because like we said, it's such a good gateway that it can only mean more Trek and more Trek is a good thing. Well, Jesse of Sudden But Inevitable uh, podcast at Sudden Bet on Twitter. One of the things I was definitely looking forward to this podcast is knowing how much of a Star Trek fan you are and how much it would mean to you to be on a Star Trek podcast. And when I had the idle notion of, hey, there's a new Star Trek show coming out. Maybe we should do a podcast. Uh, I, I was very excited that you were as eager and passionate as I, I hoped you would be. And uh, you have far exceeded those expectations. Thank you. Thank you. I got on this podcast because I enjoy what I do with green shirt. And I was like, yeah, it'd be fun to, to, to helm a podcast of my own, to take the editing, to do the actual, actual producing instead of just calling myself producer. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good nickname on green shirt, but uh, it's yeah. a good title. <laughs> it's a good title. I'll, do you I'll own it. still like the editing? I do. I, and because <laughs> um, <sighs> of all the, you know, Cam and I have been editing media for, decades now and i had been out of it for a while and so it was nice to knock the rust off my skills and also to learn new modern tools and be like these motherfuckers have no idea how easy they've got it these (laughs) 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 they have never captured tape with time code on from a mini dv camera (laughs) they don't know Yep, yep. Well, good on you. Get off my lawn with <laughs> <Yeah>. your uh, <laughs> your SD cards. <laughs> and our regular uh, caller, Kelly, at Antipodal wrote in. She doesn't have access to a microphone. I would hope that by the time Open Pike Night finishes its run long, long down the road, that we've been able to remedy that. Because I would love to hear her voice. She <laughs> is such a contributor uh-huh. online and to this community uh, and has been a, you know, a Trekkie since the start of Star Trek. Um, Wrote in with, I'm not sure how deeply we need to discuss it right now, but I want to put it out in the world because it it definitely got my mind running. Um, she says, I thought of another tangential callback involving Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. At the end of 
Quality of Mercy, Pike is confronted with a future he hadn't expected, a dying Spock horribly maimed and disfigured by radiation. In Star Trek II, Spock dies horribly maimed by radiation. <laughs> I was mm. like, oh, man. The implications of that, the, the oh, he, is it, was it just luck that there was a Genesis device around? They happened to uh, send his body to that planet, and just the fact that, yeah, what Pike saw as the bad future still happens. It still <laughs> happens, but it's the good future. It's, it's the later radiation death for a little while. <laughs> That's a great point. That's I hadn't even considered that. But yeah, that's a fate Spock will will encounter. But as we know, Star Trek is all about fate. The the order of the universe has been set and needs to follow a, a specific uh, timeline. And yeah, maybe for some reason Spock needed to be reborn that way uh, on the Genesis planet. And that's what enabled them to save the whales. Yeah, because if he didn't have any McCoy in him, I don't... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that gets real complex. I'm going to let the writers yeah. untangle that spaghetti. If Spock <laughs> hadn't been there to be reborn, then they wouldn't have gotten the bird of prey. And was that important when they saved the whales? Did they need the bird of prey? I'm going to... Cybok. No, Cybok was the reason behind there it. There we go. Yeah. He's been pranking them Cybok. for decades. Yeah. Come on now. And that's why his actual name is... Psychbach. Oh. Uh. <laughs> There's your next hashtag right there. <laughs> hashtag Psychbach. <laughs> It'll be our, our flash fiction series on Twitter in between the seasons That's of Open right. Mic Night. Yeah. You just put a call out to artists and say, everybody, here's your hashtag. Draw the picture that accompanies it. You will get the most phenomenal responses. I think to Kelly's point, though, I mean, and we've, uh, I, I gushed it, and I think we've said it uh, audibly at least once. This. Star Trek makes the other Star Treks better, better which is mind-blowing because we already love them. And that is the incredibly difficult and tricky part of any prequel. And when it does it, yep. it does it amazingly. That's why Rogue One works so well. It makes A New Hope better. I think it all comes down to the fact that you can tell when people who love what they're making are making mm. it because they take the time and they have the depth and the breadth of knowledge to pull things together and make these connections. And they pay attention to some of us, you know, that are screaming into the void or typing <laughs> onto Twitter or whatever. And it sparks things and we all come together. And that's part of the fun of this, honestly. And I love that, you know, from the costumes to the makeup, to the sets, to the scripts, to the story beats, this is made by people who know and love Star Trek. And who want to tell a Star Trek show. Like they want to tell Star Trek stories. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And like Jesse said, several seasons or episodes back is being watched by people who are willing to pay to watch Star Trek because it's the mm. only way that mm. they can watch this. Yeah. If Discovery sold this streaming service, Strange New Worlds is going to make it compete. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's all there is to it. I'm going to not edit this one out. Let's just hope Paramount Plus steps up and makes an app <laughs> worthy of Star Trek. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh, Please bring back the Star Trek tab. I said some very choice words when I noticed that went away a few weeks ago. I was like, what are you doing? Do you not realize that 90% of the people who own this app want that tab? Come on now. No one's watching that Mark Wahlberg movie. Come on, Paramount. 
Abby, just go look at your uh, suggested shows tab. I trust me. Here, I'll it send you. I'll send you a screenshot. Beavis and Butthead do the universe because it thinks that sci-fi and the word universe oh. go together. I'm like, I am never oh. watching that. Oh, I'm I'm absolutely watching. I'm gonna watch Do America again <laughs> first because I love that movie. <laughs> I do want to go back to Michelle's comment yep. real quick. Uh, that that was a. Uh, a great little note about uh, Riker's cooking uh, compared to Pike's. Now, season two, I just absolutely wanted to see the scene where Anson Mount, where Captain Pike is making Owan eggs. And it's like, now you have to be very careful or they taste like ass where only a Klingon will enjoy them. But when you do this, voila. And you know we're getting Klingons in season two of Strange New Worlds. Laurel? Laurel could still be around? Exactly. Laurel should yes. still be around? Yeah. Oh, she, yeah. I, Love Mary Chifo, and I want Laurel back. Me too. (laughs) Before we go, Melissa Navia did send a statement and asked us to read it if we would. She says, thank you to everyone who has reached out about my Brian and even shared your own grief experiences. Even if I have not been able to respond, know that I have read your messages and appreciate them more than I could ever properly express over social media. I have so much more to share of Brian's life, his music, his talent, and his spirit, and in time I will. He was a force of nature and a fan of Star Trek. Whatever I did in season one that you liked was strongly influenced by him. And if you didn't like it, tough. Brian always stressed the importance of the fandom. Star Trek is Star Trek because of you. So thank you and know that Strange New Worlds and this franchise is in good hands. We are fans bringing to life stories for a world of fans for as long as time will allow. I got to say those are beautiful words and I think they fit so well with the spirit of what we're doing here because the same is true here. Like without the community, we're just three dudes going, I like Star Trek. So to, to know that other people are being affected by this show in such a deep way is really cool for us because for us, most of the, the effect has been just, positive love gushing forth from a community so i i just love hearing that that it's multifaceted and that it is actually helping people in their lives and that is being directed to the the cast of the show as well and and helping them you guys are awesome you community i say it a lot on the show we wouldn't be a show if it weren't for everybody who contributed and we wouldn't be where we are if it weren't for everybody who listened and shared and Thank you, Melissa, for trusting us with your words. And uh, everybody does like it. Don't worry. <laughs> like, it's pretty universally liked. The people that don't like it are just very uncool. So that's totally fine. Thank you to all of our guests on the Open Pike Night stage. We wouldn't be the podcast we are without you, and we love our growing audience. All of the hosts have ranked the episodes in season one. Abby, what's your ranking? Okay. So I have to start with the caveat here that my first two, I think that 10 is the best episode of the season, but eight is my favorite. So I'm going to say eight, 10, four, five, two, six, one, three, nine, seven. Abby, I like your style. (laughs) (laughs) I told you I don't mind cheating and stuff like this, so... (laughs) Well, just to spread some of the love around, Abby, uh, we've loved your submissions and we Aww. wanted to get you on the show and uh, you have lived up to all of our expectations as a guest. Thank you <laughs> well, for thank you. appearing and taking the time to rank those. 
it is easy to chat with you guys. It's fun. My face hurts from laughing. So, you know, this anytime, this has been a joy. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. We we look forward to having you back and we look forward to hearing from you more as the seasons go on. Um, I do I want to thank every single caller, writer, guest that we've had. I really appreciate how many guests who were originally callers we have we have converted. <laughs> I don't know what the word is. Uh um, <laughs> we'll call it. We'll call it that. Yeah. But uh transfigured. And I just I you know, this is a community that didn't exist for me four months ago. And I love being a part of it. And I just want to thank everybody. And uh, personally, I did not think that when we started this open pike night podcast, that within four months, we would be interviewing one of the stars of the TV show. And now we are. And um, our, I am looking very forward to our first interview with Melissa Navia and everybody else we're going to get. All the interviews to follow. That's right. Well, and we didn't even really plan past 10 episodes. In case you can't tell, we were, uh, it, it was, you know, let's do this. Let's see if it's fun. Let's see if we can make it work. Let's, let's have fun together watching a Star Trek show together, right? And then we'll put out a podcast about it and we'll see what happens. Um, we're going to stick around. We're, we're not, we're not going to go, well, that's 10 episodes. See you next year. So. Keep your eye on the Open Pike Night feed and keep following the show on Twitter at Open Pike. Trust me. You guys send out the best newsletters, too. They make me laugh every time. So if all you listeners haven't done that yet, do it. That's my plug for you guys. Thank, thank you, you, Abby. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <I try>. Absolutely. <laughs> and thank you for joining us on the Open Pike Night Season 1 Retro Spectacular. Open Pike Night will still be releasing episodes in between the actual seasons of Strange New Worlds. Mostly going to be bi-weekly, but we'll probably have some nice little bonuses in between. So your podcast feed will be updating regularly and you'll get to hear the dulcet tones of myself, <laughs> Jesse, and Cam and whatever amazing guests we have. Jesse, how can our listeners help out keep an Open Pike Night going between the Strange New Worlds? So the easiest way that you can do that is go to Twitter, follow the show there at Open Pike, and at the bottom of our profile, there is a little button that says start reading. That will get you signed up for the Open Pike Night Crew Manifest, which is our weekly newsletter, usually weekly. During the offseason, it may not be weekly, but that is the easiest way that we can get a hold of you for free in your email to just say, hey, here's what we're looking for this week. We'd love your contribution. We'd love to share your voice with everyone on the stage. So definitely go click on that. If you sign up for that newsletter, make sure that you check your spam or junk folders because I assure you that it is neither. And I do have to echo what John and Cameron said to anyone who has ever contributed, retweeted a meme, shared a link, left a review, or just gave us a chance to be your Star Trek Strange New Worlds podcast. Thank you. Abby, how can people find more of you? Well, if you want to reach me personally, the best place is on Twitter, and I'm at Abby M. Summer. That's S-O-M-M-E-R. And if you want to hear me talk more about Enterprise, my fabulous co-host Melanie and I, like I said before, we do an Enterprise Rewatch podcast. We are right at the end of season one, and we have a big wrap-up finale coming up soon, which is really mm. fun. And you can find that show on all the places you get your audio and on all the socials at First Flight Pod. It's an excellent podcast. Oh, thank you. Cam, how about you? Uh, yeah, similarly, uh, we have the Star Trek Next Generation podcast where I am watching the Next Generation for the very first time. I'm sorry, everyone. We are 
almost done with season five. It's been amazing. I can't wait for season six. People are promising me great things. Uh, you can find us at Greenshirt87 on Twitter, Greenshirt Podcast on Facebook. Listen to us wherever this pod drops. And Jesse, how about you? If for whatever reason you need a little bit more of me in your ears, use this same app that you are hearing right now to go look up Sudden But Inevitable, which is the podcast where I turn longtime friends into brand new fans of the things that I think they probably should have seen by now. <laughs> we started out with Firefly, and then we went through Cowboy Bebop. Currently, I'm teaching them about the show Death Note, which is an anime about a high schooler who finds a notebook that can kill people. So if that sounds like it's kind of your thing, or maybe something you don't like but would like to hear me convince somebody else that they should check out sudden but inevitable i that person is me because i have only started watching death note because of your show jesse and it is fascinating i'm very much enjoying my time with it i'm a little behind on your show but i'm, I'm catching up so just thank you for for making me uh, a longtime friend of yours and now a first-time viewer yeah you're quite welcome and of course if you Go listen to the back catalog of Sudden But Inevitable. You'll find Cameron and you'll find John in there. <laughs> and I am at John T. Bolds on Twitter. We would really appreciate some five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and share this podcast with your friends, your family, people you're giving a ride to in an Uber, anywhere you have a captive audience, just get them to listen, get them to download. We, we very much love our growing community and are having a great time making this podcast and enjoying new Star Trek. When you have one earbud in at work and somebody comes up and makes that face of like, I have to talk to you and you go, Ugh, and you pull the one earbud out. When you do that, go, I'm just listening to Open Pike Night, which is my favorite <laughs> Star Trek Strange New Worlds call-in podcast. What do you need? So uh, specific, but so relatable. That's right. <laughs> Everyone's been there. It's been a great night, and the Open Pike Night crew is busy at work behind the scenes. We thought about ways we could try and influence our future, but with listeners and guests like you, we're glad to allow fate to take the wheel of this wood-paneled station wagon. Have a great night, and be sure to tip your servers. You can go anywhere you want, but you can't stay here. Mm -hmm.